Well, good evening, everybody. It is Chris here. I am the interim CEO of the Alberta Prosperity Project, and uh, I am also a server and a cook and just a regular Albertan with uh, nothing better to do than try and improve things in this province. So today we are going to be showing a pre-recorded video that we did with Nadine Wellwood a couple days ago, Carrie and I did. Uh, the reason for that is because Nadine is in Calgary tonight doing a live in-person meeting about the Alberta Pension Plan. Um, but we had this webinar scheduled about the Pension Plan, so we decided to do it in that way. So the way it's gonna work tonight is we're going to show the recording of the video that we did with Nadine. And then at the end, I'm gonna go through the questions and I will answer them as best I can. Uh, throughout this process, I've become fairly knowledgeable about the Alberta Pension Plan. So it is very likely that I can answer your questions. If I can't, we'll make sure that we add them to our, uh, our frequently asked questions on the Alberta Prosperity Project website. So speaking of the Alberta Prosperity Project, the Alberta Prosperity Project is a grassroots educational organization uh, with the goal of educating Albertans as to the benefits and the merits of Alberta, Alberta independence or Alberta sovereignty, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, there are many reasons for this, and you know the, the the biggest reason, and something that we've all experienced in the last few years, is we really saw some loss of our freedoms and certainly our prosperity, and it brought up a lot of questions. It shone a light on a lot of things that we really didn't pay too much attention to, but we're paying attention now. Now, from that intro video, you'll see you know we're very aware that there is a, a global agenda influencing politics in this country and in this province. And one of the goals of the Alberta Prosperity Project is to make sure that people know what's going on so that when it comes time to stand up and use their voices or check the box uh, at election time or be involved in a constituency association or whatever, you know what to ask for. You know what we need to do. So if you want to support what we're doing, please uh, become a member. If you can, uh, donate to the cause. Uh, it has come to my attention that it is very possible now that we can issue you a tax receipt for your more sizable donations, either from a business or an individual. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on another webinar in the near future, but just know for now that that is something that we will be able to do. Uh, if you go to the webpage, albertaprosperityproject.com, you can find all of the information about the project as well as a portal to become a member, to donate or to volunteer, all of which are extremely important when uh, we consider what needs to be done in this province to make sure that uh, people know what to ask for and what to do. So why the Alberta Pension Plan? Well, uh, there are a few things that Alberta really must, I'm not going to say should, but we must do in order to stand up and say enough is enough to the federal government that has been really taking us on a path to, well, whatever the opposite of prosperity is, is where they want us to go. Uh, we see that in the news all, you know, all the time. Like we see the, the federal minister of the environment and climate change telling us that there's going to be no more funding for roads because they don't want us driving cars. You see uh, attack after attack after attack on Alberta's resource uh, and energy industry. You, and it's, it's really very apparent that it is time that Alberta stands up. And there are a few things that we must do in order to do that. Our pension plan is one of those things. Uh, and it's not just because we overfund the pension plan by 
approximately $3 billion a year. It's not just because uh, we've accumulated over 50% of the amount of the fund uh, through our contributions, according to the, the uh, calculations in the legislation. It's even more than that. What's, what's happening around us is the federal government uses provinces like Alberta, who are net contributors to most things, uh, to fund these attacks on the very things that make us prosperous. And it's turned out that other provinces, other people will go along with it because they benefit from, uh, from the transfer of wealth from Alberta to their provinces. Well, if we want to stop this thing, if we want to get people to pay attention to what's going on, and uh, we want to have a, a fair and equitable confederation, the first thing we have to do is we have to quit enabling uh, the federal government to take this country on a path to destruction. The pension plan is the first step. And really, if you've been watching the news, you'll understand that it is very effective when Alberta stands up and says, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to stand on our own two feet because we are the adults in the room and we're going to act like that. Uh, the federal government seems to lose their minds, as does the left, but they do that often. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, start this video that we recorded with Nadine Wellwood uh, a few days ago. And you'll notice that I am wearing the same shirt. And it's not to fool you. It's just for a little bit of continuity. But there is a change. Uh, my buttons aren't done up today, and they were done up the other day. So here we go, folks. Enjoy the show. Well, Nadine Wellwood, it's been a minute. How have you been? I've been very good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I hear you're pretty busy uh, helping to educate Albertans about this Alberta pension plan that's all the buzz right now. We are definitely trying to do that. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it, as are many Albertans and the Alberta Prosperity Project, uh, because that's one of, our, you know, one of our goals. We want to see Alberta prosperous and free. And the way to do that is by taking back as much sovereignty as we can and standing on our own two feet like the adults in the room that we are. So um, before we get going, can you just kind of let people know who you are, where you came from, and why you decided to get involved uh, with this conversation about the Alberta pension plan? Sure. So I'm no stranger to politics. Most of your audience probably know me from having run in the 2019 and 2021 uh, federal elections with People's Party of Canada and Maxime Bernier. Um, the reason for getting involved at that point was I really enjoyed the platform that Maxime had put forward. It was very principled and very rational in my mind and addressed many of the issues that weren't necessarily um, obvious, um, the consequences of which we are seeing many today, including things around immigration, um, and then, of course, I did get involved, as you very well know, as we had a conversation with the UCP when Danielle was uh, won the leadership and I ran for Livingston McLeod and, of course, won the nomination down there, had the CA put my name forward as their uh, MLA to be on the ballot. And, of course, the executive, which I think still strongly under the Jason Kenney influence, did see to it to make sure that that wasn't going to happen and disqualified my nomination. So it's a little bit of my political background. But for what many people don't know, I have owned an aerospace and defense company. I've been an entrepreneur for 30 some years. And most recently, I had a small independent investment firm uh, here in uh, Calgary in, in Cochrane, which is where I reside. 
And I am a chartered investment manager by uh, trade or profession. So when it comes to the Alberta pension plan, my political background and then, of course, my work professionalism and, and life have really kind of come together in a nice collision to talk about the Alberta pension plan as I understand the inner workings of investments and um, trying to help people understand the questions that they actually need to ask and the relevant information as to comparing a Canada pension plan with an Alberta pension plan. Well, um, on that note, <laughs> why in the world would we need an Alberta pension plan? Isn't there a perfectly good Canada pension plan? Well, it's interesting because the Canada pension plan has become a little bit of a sacred cow for many, which seems to be a little bit off limits. Don't touch my pension. Um, because people believe because they're receiving a paycheck, it actually works. That is a very shallow kind of scratch the surface analysis. And if you dig just even a little bit into the Canada Pension Plan, there are many issues and concerns that in particular, Albertans, which are funding the primary, um, the bulk of the Canada Pension Plan should be concerned about. So what are what are these some of what are some of these concerns i mean we just contribute to this pension plan uh we put in a pile of money and then we get the money back out with interest at the end is that not how this is supposed to work i wish that was the case so let, let's start with what the canada pension plan actually is because it's a pool of assets that taxpayers by force, right, it's a mandatory plan, have to contribute to. So not only do they have to contribute, but so do their employers. And it pretty much is a pay-as-you-go system. So we have basically taxation, um, the pool of resources, and then you have a commitment of the workforce for today to pay the benefits of those people who are currently retired or retiring. And so it's not uh, fully funded. It is truly a pay-as-you-go. And it is only propped up by the younger population, primarily here in Alberta, as we are the ones who contribute the most to the plan and probably are the ones at, um, in all honesty, exposed to the greatest risk by remaining with the Canada Pension Plan. So if you take a look at the Canada Pension Plan, one of the things that is not easy to find, nor is it easily disclosed, is the unfunded liabilities. And the unfunded liabilities as of December 31st, 2021 was $1.14 trillion. That had grown from 2019, where it was $884 billion. So you can see I the gotta, trend. Let me interrupt you there for a second. Uh, you said $1.14 trillion? Yes. As in 1,114 stacks of $1 billion? Yes. If that's what it works out to, it's 1.14 trillion with a T. That's a huge number. Where where did you find that type of information? Because this is the first I've heard of that. Yeah, if you go into the chief actuarial report, um, the latest one that was done in 2021, I think it's report number 31, you'll find it hidden. Um, it's one line is all is the only mention it gets. One line under acknowledgments. I believe it's on page 187. Okay, and who does that report? That's the Chief Actuarial Office. So this is the independent audit that's done uh, to assess the sustainability of the Canada Pension Plan. It's done once every three years. Okay, so is it 
like that information would be reliable. I mean, that's from the source and an unbiased external auditor. Absolutely. This is based upon all the information provided to it's an audit. So if it's not um, factual or accurate, then there's some hanky panky going on um, in some sort of government organization because all the information that's provided to the chief actuary is what's used. And that's Stats Canada, that's uh, the CPPIB investment reports that are provided to them, which they do annual reports. Okay. So to me, that, that sounds a little bit off-putting if I was going to be putting my money in any type of investment, although it doesn't sound like CPP is actually an investment because if it were, you would put some money in, it would grow and you take it out later, but that's not what happens. So what's the consequence of that $1.14 trillion in, what did you call it, unmanaged assets? It's unfunded liabilities. Unfunded liabilities, yeah. Yeah, so what's even more interesting um, in addition to that, before we get into that conversation, is the fact that in 2026, um, the contributions are actually not going to keep up with the expenditures. So as it's written, the expenditures will actually exceed the contributions come 2026. So now not only do you have unfunded liabilities today when that's not the case, that is actually going to compound, in my opinion, and you'll see unfunded liabilities absolutely explode when the contributions no longer uh, meet the expectations of the actual expenditures. Okay, so I know this is up in the comments. What is an unfunded liability? So an unfunded liability is like a debt obligation. So you've got money coming in, but you have money that you've already set. And it, it's the delta between the money you have and the money you actually owe. So think about it this way. Um, if you think about what um, Ontario said, if it used the same formula that Alberta did to determine how much money Alberta is entitled to, to get out, to take with it, if it started its own Alberta pension plan, it would take 60 some percent, they said. And then we said, we are entitled to 53. Well, that's already over a hundred percent. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Right? So where's the rest of the money? That's these unfunded liabilities. So, so they are basically the, the, the delta here is the fact that we are relying on future generations to pay retirees today so what's the total value of the fund the fund right now currently sits at about 576 billion with a b 576 billion and there's yeah. 1.14 trillion in uh, unfunded liabilities yes okay so let's uh let's imagine that the the cpp was just something that anybody could invest in of their own will and it wasn't forced by the government as uh -huh. a uh, investment manager would you recommend people to invest in that fund absolutely not absolutely not so if you take a look at run some of your own numbers if you took what the government takes from you mandatory by force um, let's say your employer and your employee contribution that works out to be about $626 a month. If you invested that even at a modest 5% for your 40 working years, you would have about $1.2 million at the end of the day. And, and if you were to then 
by say, I want to plan to the age of 85. I don't think I'm going to live past 85. So I just want to keep my investments, pay myself an honest monthly income. That's about $8,000 a month. The maximum right now today that you are getting, because it is not a pension plan. It is not your pension plan. It is a government benefit. It's a fixed amount set by the government of $1,307. That seems uh, actually a little bit pathetic to me. But yet I hear, I, I do hear people saying, don't touch my pension plan. I, I love this pension plan. Uh, it seems to me as though the facts do not support continuing in the candidate pension plan. The facts uh, seem to me to support doing something better. And the bar is very low here, apparently. I think we could do better very easily. So it it occurs to me that I don't think it's facts that people are basing these don't touch my pension plan on. I think it might be more of a feeling. So what, what are we going to do about that? Like people are emotionally attached to this Canada pension plan, it seems. Yeah. And, and it's hard because I read an article the other day that said it's actually the younger population in Alberta that supports um, the transition to an Alberta pension plan. And it is more the seniors that are afraid of losing what they already have. So as if you understand behavior and cognitive dissonance, I mean, change is very difficult for people. Even if the benefit is greater, um, most people are more motivated by fear, right? So they don't want to lose what they already have better the devil they know than the devil they don't. And that becomes the biggest hurdle, I think, for us to overcome. But the only way to truly overcome that is to assure individuals that your pension is not at risk by moving to an Alberta pension plan. In fact, you know, there is greater risk, especially for future generations, not to the people who are already drawing on their pension plan. Sure. If you're, you know, 75 and you're already getting your CPP, you're going to continue to get your CPP. As a matter of fact, by moving to an Alberta pension plan, you could potentially actually see um, better benefits. And what you're doing is ensuring for your children and your grandchildren a better financial financially secure pension plan under an Alberta pension plan. So you have no risk. And what you've done is created an opportunity to leave something better behind. So in uh, in the uh, proposal that the, the Alberta government is putting out regarding an Alberta pension plan, is there any kind of a guarantee in there that nobody's pensions will be reduced or, or removed? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so absolutely. So in the Canada Pension Plan Act, it says that any province can withdraw with giving notice. But one of the conditions is that the pension plan that will replace the Canada Pension Plan, so in this case, an Alberta pension plan, must be better or same benefits. So there is no risk to anybody that they will receive a lower payment or no payment. Um, it has to be the same or better. And if you look at the demographics and you look at the economics and you look at the immigration, which are the primary drivers of the stability around a Canada pension plan, Alberta outperforms Canada on all fronts. So by moving to an Alberta pension plan, economically, we are far uh, more stable and far more productive. Canada is uh, one of the worst performing for the next three decades, according to, according to OECD, which is the Organization for Economic Development. 
that assesses all the global economies around the world. And immigration, obviously, we have people moving to this province. And demographically, we are a younger uh, demographic. So we actually have more people working and contributing and nowhere near the number of people that are retired to rely on the contributions. So on those three fronts, Alberta, bar none, outperforms Canada and would provide greater security to a pension plan than staying with the Canada pension plan. So let's let's have a little hypothetical situation here. Say uh, Stephen Gilbeau, Justin Trudeau, and uh, and Greta Thunberg are successful in destroying Alberta's economy, destroying our energy industry, and our young, vibrant workers who have a whole li their whole life ahead of them of contributing to a pension plan they disappear, and all of the sudden Alberta's in a position where hey, you know we're not this uh, have province anymore. How would that affect our pension plan? Like, is there a way to to structure this? Uh, in in such a way that uh, the fund could actually sustain itself and pay for itself without that huge younger demographic? The demographics are what they are. I mean, at some point down the road, they may shift or change, um, but they're not going to change within the next, you know, two and a half to three decades. So for two and a half to three decades, we have a younger population where the contributions far exceed the demands on benefits. The, the key here is if you look at what Canada and what the federal government is currently doing, and they're not just doing it to Alberta, although Alberta gets hurt more than most, but you look at the announcement that Jabot made uh, today, municipalities, you know, he's not encouraging and not providing any more funding for the development of roads. Financial Post actually wrote an article, uh, I think it was yesterday or today as well, that came out. I just did a video on that, talking about the uh, population trap and how there is no chance for the next generation to improve their standard of living. How's that when you're 25 years old to have you know, a group of economists and an article that comes out that says, yeah, due to the mass amount of immigration that's come into the country and all the resources that it takes and all the savings being used to maintain current capital labor ratios, that there is no way for you to improve your lot in life. Jeez. Well, that uh, does touch on another thing. And immigration is a jurisdiction of the provinces. And and I really think if we allow the federal government to control the way our immigration works in this province, none of that's going to get any better anytime soon. So I believe when Alberta pulls out of the Canada Pension Plan, we also pull out X amount of dollars that, according to the current calculation, we are entitled to. Now let's just use a round number of $300 billion. I think the number is like 343 plus maybe another 20 billion or something. However, let's use 300 billion. In the case of an Alberta pension plan, um, I believe that the people of Alberta get to decide in what way that amount of money is either managed or dispersed, uh, what the province does with it. If we took a good portion of it and started the fund with that, uh, how much of a, a head start or a jump start would that be to a sustainable pension plan? And that's a really great question. And that's a number that I'm trying to uh, find an answer to right now. That's a lot of actuarial data 
to kind of say if we started and and I would even start lower than that. I would start like so Trevor Tomes, for example, did a, a report, University of Calgary professor of economics did a report and he had a slightly different interpretation as to how the number um, would be determined for the assets that transferred to Alberta. And his number, though, even still was 120 to 160 or 150, I think, billion dollars. AIMCO currently manages $164 billion. You know, so this is not an insignificant amount of money. But in reality, if you take a look at the risks associated with the Canada Pension Plan and, you know, you take a look at the surplus, if you can trust the LifeWorks number of that $334 billion, there is a $5 billion surplus in the first year. That's just the savings from withdrawing from the Canada Pension Plan and starting our own Alberta Pension Plan. That money can be invested. So even if we started at zero, because the thing, the reality is we should not necessarily be waiting on the federal government here to give us a number. Guaranteed that number is going to have to be debated, negotiated, and it'll probably end up in the courts. I don't necessarily want to wait three, four, five years to find out what that number is and then go to referendum. Ideally, let's have a referendum. Let's make the decision based upon facts. And the fact is, we do not need anything from the federal government to start. Our population in Alberta, 65% working, so we have a 36% of the population um, that that money then gets invested. Whereas Canada as a whole, only 5% is invested as a surplus because all of the money is being used that's being collected is being used to finance and subsidize the other provinces and their retirees. So the Canada Pension Plan started in the 60s, I believe, correct? 1966. Okay, so in 1966, did the federal government and or the provinces uh, inject X amount of dollars to start the pension plan so that it could be sustained? Aha, so here's my point. Uh, for those that are watching, the Canada Pension Plan is a pay-as-you-go plan. So we pay a bunch of premiums and then people withdraw the premiums almost immediately. The huge difference if we pull out of that current system and take even a portion of what the math suggests that Alberta is entitled to, we start with a sustainable, not a pay-as-you-go Ponzi scheme, but an actual investment account that's being managed properly by Albertans. And we would have a say in that because we, as Albertans, we can change our government here, but unfortunately, we can't change the federal government. So this starts with a nest egg instead of um, relying on the demographic. Yes. So, so, so you, you touched on two really good points there, is the fact that it's far easier for Albertans to influence an Alberta government than it is a federal centralized government. So that that's key. And then the other one you mentioned is population. Because Alberta is going to start with 120, at let's say at a minimum, 120 billion dollars, and realistically, we have a working population of 2.25 million people. Right now, Alberta is the primary contributor, supporting 21 million. Wow! If you look at, at the uh, Canadian number, that's pretty wild. So let me throw this out there as a as an investment manager. Let's say. You know, I'm going to give you $160 billion and I want you to manage that fund and I want to know what the return is. 
what what's a modest return uh, on 160 billion dollars? Well, everything should be around a benchmark. So, you know, Canada Pension Plan has been boasting, you know, a 9.6% annualized return. Um, and the projections moving forward in the chief actuarial report are averaging about 6% with no down years, no corrections, which is a dangerous assumption in my opinion as well. But with all that set aside, comparing apples to apples, what you wanna do is I would, first off, I would enlist the actual experts who manage each and every asset class. So instead of bringing in-house salaried employees, which sometimes you know that asset class is performing, sometimes it's not, I would actually look to outsource more of that, preferably, because it's much easier to outsource somebody who is doing excellent work, and that's all that they do. So for example, you know, you can't be the expert in all things, right? I mean, that's just logical. So why would you even try? I would go find the, you know, the asset manager who's doing the absolute best, has a good track record, a good history as to, and somebody who's been outperforming their, the asset, the benchmark. And so what's happening now inside the Canada pension plan, for example, if you look at the real estate manager, he's getting paid millions of dollars and he's underperformed his benchmark. So why are we paying somebody millions of dollars to not do as well as what the average, you know, put it in an index fund could do? That's a that's a really, really good point. So if Alberta was responsible for deciding how that fund is managed, uh, we could have that fund managed by people who are paid on the performance of the fund. So the better they do with our fund, the more money they get paid and it gives them an incentive to do well. And, and this is, comes down to governance and it comes down to an investment policy. So uh, Albertans have basically a blank sheet of paper where they can actually identify what those investment policy statements should look like, how much risk they want to take with this money and where they want to direct it. So, you know, for example, AIMCO um, has a different policy statement than the Canada Pension Plan. Quebec, for example, has a different policy statement as well. They focus a little bit more on internal and stimulating economic growth within Quebec. That's something Alberta could decide to do, or it could just say, you know what, we are going to do exactly based upon, you know, sound investment policies and principles based upon risk mitigation and returns only. So, but then it needs to be independent from political interference, which the CPP is not independent from political interference. Um, it is independent from a day-to-day -day operations. Nobody tells the management team what to buy or what to sell from a perspective of the actual investment, but they still have to answer to parliament and other government policies such as ESG and DEI and climate change. Interesting. So is it is it fair to say that Albertans could say um, our our, our pension investment fund uh, will not invest in any companies that undermine Alberta's sovereignty or try and attack our industry or do things that are to the detriment of our province. Could we do that? Absolutely, we can. So you wouldn't necessarily frame it in that way, but I'm a big advocate of Albertans should not be participating in their own demise. And if you opened up the CBPIB, which is the investment board that manages the Canada Pension Plan, up until last year, they had 
welcome to a carbon neutral Canada, not a carbon neutral world, but a carbon neutral Canada. They were still heavily investing in Chinese coal. They were still heavily investing in oil and gas in other parts of the world. They just weren't doing it in Alberta. Wow. That's uh, so we, uh, we create the economic conditions to exploit our resources and get them to market and be prosperous. And then we fund these things and the fund turns around and tries to kneecap the very thing that's contributing to the fund. Absolutely. And the federal government is very anti-Alberta, um, very anti-oil and gas. Um, really it's very much pushing the agenda. It, so what's happened, instead of having an investment committee, what we have now are political activists. Yes. And that's what has to stop, right? I mean, this should be an investment committee based around sound investment policies, sound investment returns, looking at returns and risk. It shouldn't be um, pushing a political agenda, which is exactly what it's been doing for years now. So maybe on, on we were talking about the feelings associated with this. Maybe people should try and and digest the fact that their future, their investment, their um, pension is being jeopardized by playing political games and pursuing a you know a fairy tale DEI uh, agenda so so the people that are saying you know don't touch my pension plan leave my pension alone maybe they should look and see where that pension plan or where that money is being invested like even not even talking about the fact that we don't get what we put in it um but that's a that seems like a really risky game to play play political posturing with an investment fund. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in my opinion, this whole activism that we've seen on the political front, just fostering these ideologies around climate change policy, green technology, um, you know, it puts an excess of pressure on investment committees to have to find these types of investments. And then I think you're trying to make excuses in some respects to justify investing this way vice a more obvious investment where you know the return is more obvious the risks are less and they're probably better known um so you know in my opinion climate activism and and you know diversity i want the most competent person to run my money to yeah. manage my money i i don't care whether you're blue black purple pink you know green yellow you know what religion you are what i care about is do you have the necessary skills and do you have the proven track record to manage my money as effectively to the, my best interest? I mean, and that that's called fiduciary duty. So do you want a, somebody who's going to have a fiduciary duty, who has a responsibility and is accountable only to you to act in your best interest? Or do you want somebody who's going to play the political game and have to, you know, adhere to political influence and activism um, and make compromise? Um, as to how your dollars are invested. That it's a little bit frightening when you think about this. We're we're compelled by law to contribute to the Canada Pension Plan. And we really have no say as to where that money goes. We're actually, that is a, it is a form of taxation without representation. Yes. And even worse, that money can be used and is used because I've seen some of the places it's invested in too. And uh, uh, some, some of the companies that are invested in have very strong ties to organizations like the World Economic Forum, who really don't seem to like Alberta very much. And it's uh, 
it just it just blows my mind that people aren't or haven't been up in arms about this before now. This is one of the letter, one of the reasons specifically why Stephen Harper included uh, the Alberta pension plan in the firewall letter was because he knew that if Alberta was going to insulate itself against the external attacks coming from the global elitists, uh, we would have to manage these things our own so we could decide where our money goes and what it supports. So I'm really, really happy that we're finally starting to see a glimmer of light to start ticking off the boxes of those of those five things. So, so where do we go from here? I mean, in this conversation, it seems pretty cut and dry that the facts are the facts, math doesn't lie, and and we really have a lot of statistical and historical evidence as to why we shouldn't continue with the CPP. What do we do now? So I think the first step is to make sure that we actually do force the referendum. So my concern now is that, you know, a backroom deal is met and there's political, you know, activism that's going to occur, in which case, you know, it'll be, well, it doesn't seem to be a lot of public support. And so we're just going to drop the idea entirely, or we're going to completely wait until the Minister of Finance, um, who is a member of the uh, World Economic Forum, worse yet, she's a director, she sits on their board. And then in addition to that, uh, she is the one who is personally responsible for appointing the board of directors for the CPPIB. So he who does the hiring obviously has political influence and carries weight, right? So for me, it's about forcing the referendum. So we are looking to acquire a signature, 200,000 signatures uh, via petition to put on the UCP's desk to say whether you're for or against, I don't care. At this stage, it's just about let's have the referendum. And then second to that will be a matter of once we have the referendum, it's going to be our job to make sure that we inform people to make an informed decision based upon fact, not emotion, not fear. And there is a lot of fear mongering going on right now with the NDP telling people they're going to lose their pension, that the government can steal it. That's not true. I mean, and, and that's a simple fact. That is not a truthful statement. And I wish there was accountability for MLAs and for government parties that make statements like that. The problem is, is well, there isn't. There isn't. Yep. And it seems like, you know, I, I watched the NDP put ads on the radio last or during the election saying that if we elected a UCP government, they're going to sell our hospitals and fire all our nurses and doctors. And we're going to pay to go see the doctor. I thought that's the most ridiculous claim I've ever heard. But the radio allowed it. There was no accountability, no, 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 nothing for them doing that. And the problem is people believe it because maybe they have a, you know, a, a, a already have a bias against conservatism. Maybe they already have a bias, bias against the UCP. So they're willing to believe those things. So I think we have a lot of work to do, but uh, I am kind of excited and I'm hopeful because the Alberta Prosperity Project has brought on people like you, Nadine, and Tanner today and Corey Morgan, and uh, you know, I'll be even at a couple of these events to tell Albertans these things and help get them involved so that we can share this information with our friends. Because I think that's the key here is that this isn't gonna be done by the government. The government is suggesting that we look at this and now the ball's in our court. So the people have to get involved and we have to do the groundwork so that when the time comes, we can do it. So uh, thank, thank you for agreeing to, uh, share this information with us and attend the uh, the pension plan tour. I'm really excited for it. Do you want to maybe mention something about what that's going to look like, um, what people can expect and uh, how they can get involved to help do this and get done? 
Yeah, so we have a website. It's albertafirstpension.ca and we will be posting all of our tour dates and locations to that website. Um, like you said, we do have a variety of speakers. I've also been interviewing a number of different individuals. So for me, it's not just about taking talking points um, and then regurgitating them. So, you know, I'm looking for people that are extremely credentialed. So, for example, I had an interview today with a gentleman, Fergus Hodgson. Um, he's got his master's in finance. He's got a BA in political science and a BA in economics. And he's just published a book of which he's talking about, you know, Alberta in particular, um, achieving sovereignty. But in, more importantly, he does have a whole chapter in there dedicated to the Alberta pension plan. And so it's about taking people who are in the industry, who have first-hand experience, knowledge, who know what this could look like, and you know who also know where to look for the pitfalls with the CPP, for example, that can speak to it um, and give you examples that are relevant to you. So for example, one of the things I always tell the people, would you support a pension plan? So if, if you were Quebec and you know Quebec pension plan says, you know what, that's it, we're not gonna support any more hydroelectric power. We're shutting it, it all down. Do you think the Quebec people would support that? Of course they wouldn't. But yet here we are as Albertans, and that's exactly what the Canada Pension Plan is doing to us. So, you know, again, let's not partake in our own demise. Let's get the facts. Let's get the information. Get out to a town hall meeting. Ask your question. You know, there is no reason to leave one of these town hall meetings without having all of your questions answered. And every piece of information that I have provided, I've actually given out data and reference uh, reports and articles and statistics, uh, demographics that people can go look up for themselves. And so that's the key part is, you know, know where to look, know what questions to ask, get the answers and then make an informed decision. So albertafirstpension.ca, but you can also go to, I think Alberta Prosperity um, has a list of events. Uh, Take Back Alberta has a list of events. We have a number of the freedom groups and other um, interested groups that are promoting this, whether they're political or not. Um, they just understand the importance of creating some distance between Alberta and a centralized federal government right now. What about our friends and neighbors in other provinces? If we're entitled to 50%, that means somebody's going without. What about them? What happens to them? Yeah, there is a reason Christia Freeland uh, did call a meeting of the ministers of the provinces very quickly. And that's because it exposes the follies and the vulnerabilities of the Canada Pension Plan. Um, you know, in my opinion, it's not very sustainable now with Alberta, you know, propping it up. Imagine if Alberta leaves. So there is no province that is going to offer us support. Um, maybe Quebec, because Quebec has its own pension plan. Um, it never joined. So it's probably the only province I could see that would offer any kind of support because it'd be kind of hypocritical for it not to. But every mm -hmm. other province in Canada is going to resist this and encourage Albertans to stay. And um, I think that's just a fact. So the federal government has a vested interest in the Canada Pension Plan remaining the way it is. Because if we start to shake this up, it's going to expose that they really, really dropped the ball on this. And the, the secure future that our seniors are, are thinking they have doesn't actually exist. So let, let's look at this in a, in a dollars and cents kind of way. Do you, do you know what the numbers are for what the net uh, recipients of the CPP premiums 
how, how much of their premiums premiums would go up? Because I know that's a question. Like, is someone in PEI, is their pension premiums going to go, they're going to double? Are they going to get half as much when they retire? How's that work? Well, it, so withdrawing the number, the LifeWorks did actually do a quick number on this. And they did say that the contribution rate would increase to 10.51%, I do believe. Don't quote me on that. I would have to look that number up. Um, meanwhile, Alberta's would decrease to like 5.91%. And what's the, the current? Benefit. What, what's the current? Um, so the current is 9.9. .9, and that's going up, though, this year. Because now we have a supplementary secondary um, of contribution course, yeah. that's being made right so again that's another nice way of saying it's not sustainable so now th this is the problem now we're, we're increasing the amount that's being taxed and you know we're applying um another uh fee on top of a larger income now which again is going to inadvertently affect albertans more than it is going to affect other residents in other provinces so our, our neighbors may see premium increases in the range of like one to 2% kind of thing. Uh, I think in the short Maybe. term, they'll see increases to that number. I think in the long term, um, I don't really see a viable option. Um, they're, they, they, they're, they just don't have the productivity, right? They, it, they would need to encourage more productivity and more income generation, more contribution. So they, there's only one way to fix the problem and, that's to either, well, there's a few ways, decrease the number of people that are drawing on it, the benefits, or you can increase the contribution rate, or you can increase the number of people that are contributing. So this is where the federal government has been doing this mass immigration, you know, thinking that they can just increase the numbers, but that's a quality game. It shouldn't be a quantity game. We should be bringing people in with high incomes, who are bringing their families, but not necessarily their extended families who are now a draw upon government services like OAS and GIS and uh, healthcare and education. So there's a whole other you know, area there that needs to be explored. And the problems are not obvious to people. And that's, that becomes the bigger issue. I like that you said that, obvious. So I, I just want to remind folks, if Canada actually, pardon me, let's, let's say, if Alberta takes control of immigration and we start focusing on bringing people in who want to move here to have a better future, who can contribute, who, um, you know, they're professional, whatever, that also allows us the opportunity to bring refugees in who need a place to stay because they're unsafe. If we focus on making sure that our province uh, is sustainable, we can help more people. That's just the reality. But you said, you used the word obvious. I really think that when Alberta pulls out of the Canada Pension Plan, this will be the reality slapping the other provinces in the face who are allowing their pension plan to be managed in the manner that it is. Why it, they're, they're looking at a 1.5% or 2% increase. It's not sustainable. The numbers are horrible. They're pathetic. Why are they allowing investments to be made based on the DEI garbage? You know, that's not to their benefit, but they're allowing it right now because, you know, some, some other per, province is, is taking up the slack. And, and we're kind of enabling that type of investment and that type of poor uh, uh, fiscal management. So it becomes very obvious when you, you know, you pull the Band-Aid off that there is a wound there and it needs to be fixed. So I think that's something that this, this country needs as a whole. Well, for me, it's about economic output. Um, you know what? 
provinces like Newfoundland and Labrador, for example, it, it's rich in natural resources, but they do not have to develop them. Why? Because they're getting handouts from Alberta. Yeah. Right. And so this would actually force each and every province to take stock and to take a look at, you know, how it improves its own lot. Right. Without the dependency of Alberta as the economic engine propping up the rest of Canada. And it just this this is the obvious part. Right. Then it becomes obvious to all the provinces and to people living in those provinces like, oh, wow. OK, we really need to do something about this. So they need exactly. the push. And it's going to be that push that allows them to then say, you know, what to the federal government. Thank you. Your policies about, you know, um, EVs is very nice and, and uh, not very practical. And we've entertained it. But you know what? Um, we can't no, afford this kind of nonsense to go on. Why? Because we now have to take care of our own. Quebec, Newfoundland, Labrador, they sit on massive, massive natural gas reserves, like to, to rival our own. And the only reason why they're not exploiting them is because, well, Quebec has decided that fracking is bad. Uh, developing natural resources is bad. So instead, we're going to accept $12 billion of equalization money from Alberta and the rest of Canada, and we're going to give $5 daycare because we can, right? They don't have to do the things that we do because we do it. And it's same with the Atlantic provinces. It's the same with the, the the Maritimes. Like they allow the federal government to do these things because they get a little bit of a pittance here and there. You know, maybe they get an extra seat in, in the parliament or they get a, you know, a little bit of a stipend here, like a free heat pump. But the reality is if they spoke up and said, no, we sh we're not paying a carbon tax. We're not paying a tax on the air we exhale. We're not going to follow your bonehead uh, green agenda. We're going to be prosperous. They could be prosperous. So I think it's incredibly important that those provinces that can, namely Alberta, British Columbia, maybe Saskatchewan, start taking control of these things and force the rest of the provinces to take a really good look in the mirror and ask themselves why they're allowing the federal government to take this country down that path. When we do that, we could actually, you know, the, these small steps, they have the potential to save the country. Yeah, you know, Alberta can be the model right? It's, it's one province that can do things right. And this is where provinces should be competing with one another, because this is how you get to best practices, right? Through friendly competition and cooperation. But again, competition, right? We should be exploring different technologies, different ways of doing things, and then modeling what works. And if you have a monoculture, you're not going to get that. But here's the thing. I mean, you don't see it. So Quebec is very happy to take from Alberta, but, you know, here's the reality. And here's a question for people to think about. You don't see Quebec banging on the federal government's door saying we want in to the Canada pension plan. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Quebec Just knows. <laughs> Quebec knows that the Constitution was written the way it was for a reason. It's because we have cultural and regional differences. We do things a little bit differently across all of these provinces. And we need to be allowed to make our own decisions and chart our own course forward if we're going to get along, right? Right now, um, there's this friction between the East and the West in this country because we get we get railroaded all the time. And I know what that feels like. So does Carrier. We literally got hit by a train. Uh, the rest of the, 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 the Eastern provinces, they kind of dictate our futures and it doesn't feel very good. And it ends up in a situation where we're over-contributing to the pension plan by $3 billion a year. We're uh, a net contributor to equalization and 
the amount of around $33 billion a year, something like $700 billion to date, while policies are being enacted that reduce our prosperity and make our quality of life lower, make it more difficult to be an Albertan. And it's time we stand up and, and we say enough is enough. And I really, truly believe that these steps that we're taking to take back our sovereignty are a compassionate response to what we see going on in this country. Because at some point, someone has to be willing to stand up, say enough is enough, stick their neck out, take the persecution and get this stuff done so we can get this country back on track. I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of information. Obviously, when we do these town halls, we have two full hours um, to give presentation, uh, you know, present the information, the data, the facts. But then we also have an, a full hour dedicated to answering questions from the audience. You know, so exactly what's on your mind, exactly what's most important to you. Those are the questions that we can then provide answers to. And so thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And uh, I encourage everybody, um, whether you're for or against, you know, come out and listen and ask your questions, um, you know, get the facts and then just make an informed decision. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you. Um you know, spending your time with us to do this. And I appreciate that you want to stand up and do something for this province. And, and we all appreciate it. So folks out there watching, if you want to help us out, uh, please become a member uh, of the Alberta Prosperity Project. We don't necessarily want your $20 or $30 or $40 for a three-year membership. We actually need it because it costs money to do things. It costs money to advertise. Um, in addition, when you become a member, you become part of this amazing organization that actually wants to contribute to the prosperity of this province, no matter what we have to do, and we will do that. So please join the project, please consider donating so that we can continue to do these educational campaigns, attend events wherever you can, volunteer if you can. This is not a situation where one or two people are going to get this done. This is a, a situation where the people really need to come together and unite towards prosperity and freedom in this province so we can set a good example for the rest of the folks in this beautiful country. Well, Carrie always leaves with the best still photos of me. Okay, so I'm gonna do my best to get through these questions as quickly as I can. Uh, that was a, I really enjoyed doing that video with Nadine. She's really super knowledgeable on these things. And if you want more information or you have more questions, go to one of the events. Please go and it, you can just put your hand up and ask the question and she will answer it. Or Tanner or Corey or, or one of us uh, will get it done. So let's go through these questions and then I'm going to close up with a, uh, a big, very big ask from all of you fine folks. Okay, where are our questions? Let's find some question marks. And thank you to Max, who's been working in the back, uh, getting some of the questions tagged so that I can answer them now. Okay. This is an excellent question from Mr. Heath. What are the big unions in Alberta getting from the federal government or their federal counterparts that makes them so afraid of Alberta upsetting the federal pension cart? Excellent question. Here's the thing. Uh, the majority of the unions in Alberta, and actually across the country, uh, are very, very socialist. They're very heavily influenced by the NDP and the Liberals. In Alberta, uh, actually in every province, the NDP government, there is no provincial NDP. It's all federal NDP. They just have provincial arms of the party. Okay, So everything that the provincial NDP does in an individual province 
uh, it kind of has to satisfy the federal NDP because that's their boss. Jagmeet Singh is their boss. So what when you ask what the big unions are getting from the federal government, it's not even necessarily from the federal government. Let's just look at Alberta. In Alberta, uh, the union bosses are very strong NDP advocates, as you can see. I mean, the Alberta Teachers Association, the Alberta Federation of Labor, uh, they are both heavily, heavily influenced by, uh, by the NDP. As a matter of fact, I've seen emails come across my desk from both those organizations saying things like, uh, you better vote NDP, otherwise you won't get your raise. Right? So another thing you'll notice is that the union bosses all have, not all of them, many of them have seats on the provincial board of the NDP. They get money, they get power, they get a position for advocating for a, a, a certain political party. So if you ask yourself, well, why is it the, that the NDP is so uh, against an Alberta pension plan that, as the mass suggests, is obviously in Alberta's best interest, it is not because they have the best interest of Alberta in mind. It's because they have their best interests in mind in their political aspirations, and they want the position. So they toe the line. And they mobilize their unions to vote in a particular way so that they give power to those that are going to scratch their back. Very simple. It's kind of genius, but also disgusting. And if we know about it, we can put a stop to it. Uh, Michelle asks, why are we not live on the Alberta Prosperity Project Facebook page? I'm not sure why that happened. Uh, it is selected in the StreamYard streams. We will look into it and get that fixed next week. Uh, in addition, if you missed the webinars or you just came in at the end, you can always go back and find them online. Carrie does a fantastic job of making sure they're posted to Rumble and YouTube and BitChute and all those things. So they are available. Uh, next question. Yeah, here's one. This isn't a question. It's a statement. And it's very true. CPP is a joke. Yes, it is. I'm single. And if I die tomorrow, all that is paid is $1,000 death payment. And that is true. And why is that? It's because the CPP is not an investment fund. It is not a mutual fund. It's not an RSP, that type of thing. Uh, the money isn't actually there. It's there. And then it's paid out right away. It's a pay-as-you-go type system. So there really aren't any benefits because you haven't actually accumulated anything. You've just been paying other people's premiums. Here's a question from Kathy Richardson. Is it true that the current government has taken money from CPP and given it to other countries and supposedly has invested in Chinese real estate? Yes, that is absolutely true. The CPP invests a portion of the money that the, the fund manages. So you, you heard Nadine mention, and we showed the screenshot of the, uh, uh, the, the report detailing it. The CPP has $1.14 trillion of unfunded liabilities. That means that if they had to pay out everything that's owed today, they would be short by $1.14 trillion. That is mind-boggling to me. That's It's absolutely ridiculously scary. And if you're a pensioner, how could you be okay with that? How could you be okay knowing that your fund, that your pension comes out of, owes twice as much as what the fund holds in assets? So yes, the CPP can invest wherever they want. And they posted something like, I think Nadine said a 9.6% return, which is actually not too terribly bad. But the problem is, it's not that they're investing um, you know, $100 billion and making a return on it, they're investing a very, very small portion of the fund because the majority of the fund gets recycled back into payments immediately and isn't available as an asset to invest. 
Next question. Actually, here's a statement uh, that I put up earlier. For those of you who mentioned we don't trust the provincial government with our pension, I've heard that lots. I have a tremendous bombshell for you that I will discuss after Nadine has finished, finished her presentation. I'll discuss that after we're done with the questions. And please, folks, continue to put up questions if you have them. I'll get to them as soon as I can. This isn't a question, but a statement. And I hear this more and more every day because of the work that you folks are doing uh, in supporting what the Alberta Prosperity Project and other groups are doing. Len says, as a senior, I'm all for APP. I'm hoping that you mean Alberta Prosperity Project and the Alberta Pension Plan. But you know what? I'll take either. More questions. Sorry, I'm just getting to them. Here we go. From my friend Maria Wall. So what happens when people, let's say, from southern Ontario move to Alberta just before the age of 65 just to get a bigger check? Well, I'm not 100% sure on this, and I will, I will uh, make sure that there's something posted at the Alberta Prosperity Project webpage in the Frequently Asked Questions to answer Maria's question. The question is, so what happens when people move from another place to Alberta just before 65 to get a bigger check? Uh, in my opinion, they would not get a bigger check. So the Alberta Pension Plan would be based on what your contributions are. Uh, I'm assuming that it would be based on your place of residency at the time that we withdraw our funds from the CPP, and then it would be calculated on that type of basis. But the thing to remember here is if you contribute to a pension, that pension is yours. If you contribute to the CPP and you move to France, you continue to get your CPP. If you contribute to an Alberta pension plan and you move to Quebec, you would you would get your Alberta pension plan. That's the way it works. It's your pension and you get it no matter where you live. So while you would vary, it would be very unlikely that you would be able to move to Alberta when you're 64 just to get a maximum Alberta uh, pe uh, pension benefit because you haven't contributed, um, your pension would follow you wherever you go. So I hope that answers that for you, Maria. Uh, Len, again, as a senior collecting pension, if I were to make an online income, would there be any clawbacks like there are with OAS and CPP? That is an absolutely excellent question. And it brings up a very disturbing reality. If you are receiving your pension through the Canada Pension Plan, which you contribute to, it's actually your money. You, The government mandates that you must pay nine some odd percent of your income into the pension plan, and then you get it back when you retire. Well, they claw it back if you continue to earn money and be prosperous. So is that money actually yours? Is the pension actually yours? I would argue, no, it's not. If it were your pension or your RSP and you were withdrawing uh, for retirement, nobody would be touching it if you made more money. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And you know, as, as somebody who's become very aware of the plight that our seniors and pensioners are facing uh, with the cost of living increases we've seen, just knowing that if they go out and earn some money that the government has the gall to deduct it from the money that they have been forced to save through a government savings plan uh, that's that's disgusting and let's go to the next question ah again mr heath nadine has said uh is an unfunded liability why don't we simply just allow those who are current currently paying and to the CPP be the only ones eligible to vote with the guarantee was our, the guarantee was already mentioned that those dependent on this payment will be better off. Here's the thing. Um, I am a strong advocate for the government just doing it. 
Like we do not need a referendum for this. This is not a constitutional thing. Uh, the government can, by a piece of legislation, simply withdraw from the pension plan and have an Alberta pension plan. And that's what I would have liked to see because I know it's the right thing to do. I've seen the math. Math doesn't lie. It's easy to determine. Well, it's not super complicated to determine uh, what this would look like for Alberta. And if we did it now, within four years, we would be seeing the fruits of that decision, which is better pensions, less contributions, and a better managed thing because it would be managed by Albertans. However, uh, the Premier, Daniel Smith, is very adamant that she will not act as a tyrant like her predecessor did. So while I believe it is the right thing to do for the government to simply say we're doing this because they can, we elected them to do to, to do these things through democracy, uh, she doesn't want to do that. She wants the input of Albertans, which is admirable. So uh, that's why it's not being done right now. The Premier has put this on us to do the work and make sure that people are educated uh, as uh, the benefits of the pension plan, and then we can uh, have our say. And here is a response that I posted to somebody saying, we need the referendum now. This is what I responded. We must educate Albertans as to the benefits of an Alberta pension plan before the referendum. People must know what to vote for. We need your help to do this. Please consider donating to our project, becoming a member, and volunteering. So, well, let me just leave that. Here's my big ask. Over the last two years, things have improved markedly in this province, and we're still a long way from being where we need to be. As things improve, people are less likely to get involved in any kind of political activism, in advocacy. Uh, they stop donating to things. They stop becoming members of things because things seem better. They feel better. <clears throat> I mean, we can go and have a coffee now without showing our papers. So things are all right, right? Wrong. They're not. They're not better. They're better, but they are certainly not good. And they're certainly not um, uh, all the way on a path to prosperity. We need your help. It seems to me from the comments here that people are very happy with the information that we're bringing out there. That's what the Alberta Prosperity Project is. That's what we do. We are an educational organization with the goal of creating or ensuring a free and prosperous Alberta. The Alberta Pension Plan is one of those things. And that's why we're talking about it. Because we know it is one step of many that Alberta must take in order to insulate itself, not only from the attacks of the global elite, but our own federal government. We need your help. We need you to become members. We need you to volunteer and help with door knocking campaigns, help with um, you know these, these uh, educational campaigns. We need you to organize in your area and bring people together so we can deliver these messages. And yes, we need you to donate as well. This isn't free. Uh, the software alone, like as the CEO of this project, I see the bills and I had no idea what it costs to run and maintain an organization like this, even with 99% volunteer work. It is very expensive. We need billboard campaigns. We need radio ads. We need mail-out campaigns, door-knocking campaigns. We need all of those things, and it all costs money. We need your help. So if you want to see these things succeed, vote with your wallet. Help us do this work. 
I, I give you my word that we will work our asses off to make sure that every man, woman, and child in this province knows what the benefit of this pension plan is. And then we're not done there. We will make sure that every man, woman, and child in this province knows what the benefit of an Alberta provincial police force is. Then we will do the same thing with Alberta immigration. We will do the same thing with the Alberta Revenue Agency. We will do the same thing with um, Alberta Employment Insurance. And we will do the same thing with Alberta Independence should those five things fail to ensure we're sovereign and prosperous going forward. We will not stop. And just because things have gotten a little bit better does not mean that, that we're done. We're not gonna be done until we're fully insulated from these threats. So we need you. If you like these things, become a member, donate and volunteer. And like I said before, uh, we have a, a means by which we can get you a tax receipt for your donation. So, you know, it's always nice to keep money in your pocket while helping a good cause. So there's my big ask. Back to the questions. Uh, where are they? There's the link to join the project. And it's also in the comments, so you can copy and paste it is. Here's another question from Mr. Heath. Very engaged, Mr. Heath. I appreciate that. Are the people of Quebec more intelligent and capable than Albertans? No. They're just more Quebec first. Albertans, they are somewhat Albert, Alberta first, Albertan first, but not like Quebec is because Quebec had already established their culture and their, their identity even before uh, Confederation, long before Confederation. Alberta has just recently kind of moved into adulthood. And so it's not that we're not, it's not that the people in Quebec are more intelligent. It's just they're farther along than we are. And I will point out that even when Confederation occurred, when, when our founding fathers uh, wrote the original constitution uh, of this country, it was, it was well received that the provinces needed to be sovereign in almost every area and that we would not have a national government. We would not be a federation. Confederation literally means against federation. Canada is founded on the principle of being against a federated, centralized government. Canada was founded on the principle of the provinces being sovereign. That's why the constitution is written the way it is. So we need to get back to basics and, uh, and, and take that stuff so that we can function the way we were intended to. Now we could debate on whether or not that will be successful and whether or not we need to be independent. However, the conversation right up until that point is exactly the same. We need to take back sovereignty in all of those areas and do everything we can to exist as the original constitution and our current constitution intended us to within confederation. Uh, next question. <clears throat> Sorry, I got to scroll through lots of comments to get to the question. So just bear with me. I'll get to it. Where are we? They're coming. I promise there's more. Ah, here's an interesting comment. The only way the division will end is if we get rid of our federal government and all provinces become independent. That may be true. I would argue that it is important that each province take back their sovereign jurisdiction in all areas and tell the federal government to get their fingers out of it, and then we give that a go first. 
right? I believe that an independent Alberta is the only way, but I could be wrong. The steps up to there are exactly the same. Take back those five things which we can control right now and then work on the rest going forward. But you're right. The division would end if the federal government would quit interfering and allow us to exist the way we were intended to. There's a reason why there's no country in the world as big as Canada. It's because when you have a region that vast and that many differing cultures and identities and, and things like that, you have to agree to disagree and let people exist on their own terms. Uh, that's the only way to get along. If you try and start forcing everybody into the same cookie cutter shape, it doesn't work. And that's and that's that's why we're supposed to be a confederation. Uh, Sandra makes a very good comment. She says, I'm guessing that if Alberta pulls out of the CPP, every other province has to take a serious look at doing the exact same thing. Maybe it's time to take a closer look at this whole matter of the benefits of confederation. I think the feds are pretty worried about that. They absolutely are. You know, we're, we're, we're literally pulling the plug on their endless trough of tax dollars and they don't like that. But you know what? I don't like funding an endless trough of tax dollars, especially when those tax dollars are used to attack me, my province and my way of life. Uh, where are we? Man, there's a lot of questions. So did you folks know that about the pension plan, that it isn't an investment? Only a small portion is invested. The majority is just a kind of a pass-through, as in you pay a CPP premium and it goes out to someone else. Um, that's That should worry anybody who is uh, on the fence about an Alberta pension plan. I mean, that should worry them about staying in a, a Canada pension plan. I think there was three more questions. Ah, here's a good comment from Maryland. The threat of secession garnered Quebec a lot of clout. A nation within a nation. It absolutely did. What Quebec has done is definitely something Alberta needs to do. We need to stand up for ourselves and say, no, we're not going down that anti-prosperous path, that anti-human path. We're going to stand on our own two feet as the Constitution allows. And you know what? Bugger off. How's that sound, federal government? Great question, Tammy. How can people be confident info provided on behalf of the Alberta Pension Plan is accurate to what government would say? So I will point out that the, the reason we're having this conversation about the Alberta Pension Plan is because when Stephen Harper penned the firewall letter uh, about how Alberta could insulate itself from attacks from the federal government and ensure that we're prosperous, the pension plan was one of those things. So we elected a conservative government in this province with a mandate to explore those five things that Stephen Harper mentioned. The pension plan is one of them. So the Alberta government commissioned a report by a third party group, which by the way, has some very uh, uh, serious and strong liberal people, liberal uh, party people in it. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm pointing out that this isn't just conservatives asking a bunch of conservatives uh, to go and do the support. This was a wide, it's the firm LifeWorks that did the, the report um, is arm's length from the government. They did this report. 
the information came from a third party consulting firm, not from the Alberta government. So uh, the best thing you can do is read the LifeWorks report. Uh, we'll get the link posted up in the comments and you can just go and check it out for yourself. The other thing you can do is attend the town halls, attend the Alberta Prosperity Project, uh, Alberta Pension Plan Tour, attend the um, town halls that our MLAs are putting on to talk about these things. Hell, even attend the NDP town halls and challenge them on the things they're saying about the pension plan. You should be doing that. You should be listening to both sides. When you do that and you read the, the actual report and you start digging in a little bit into the meat and potatoes of the legislation, it's very easy to see who's telling the truth and who's lying. And I can tell you that the ones that are saying that uh, if you don't vote for them, your hospitals will be sold and you'll have to pay for health care. Those are the ones who are lying. <sighs> Michelle, I love this question. Why is it up to us slash you to educate Albertans and not provincial government on pros and cons of ABP? That is a very good question. I spent the majority of my adult life relying on politicians to do the work for me, to save me. I'm done with that. Absolutely done. We cannot rely on politicians. Politicians, they blow whichever way the wind blows. And to be fair, if they don't, they don't get elected. They don't have a job. So what do we do? How do we make sure politicians do the right thing? Well, we become the wind. We become the parade that the politicians want to get in front of. Ralph Klein said that. He said, you know what? I don't create the parade. I just find one and get in front of it. And that's what politicians do. They're not the ones that create the movement. They just identify the movement and get in front of it because they know they'll get voted in if they do that. So we have to become that movement. We have to do the work. We have to stop sitting on our laurels and, and watching the world turn around us. We have to become civically engaged. This country Less than 2% or 3% of people are members in a political party. We we say that we're, oh, we're the most democratic country on earth, and all we do is check a box every four years? What kind of BS is that? That's not democracy. That's the illusion of democracy. 3% of people are member, members in political parties. Political parties, they vote on the policy that they're going to bring into government. They vote on proposed legislation that's going to become law. And we sit at home watching Seinfeld instead of being involved in that, instead of donating two or three hours a week of our time to, to make sure our futures are, are prosperous, we have to stop doing that. It has always been up to us and not the government to make sure these things go well. We saw that all too clear over the last four years. So when, Michelle, when you ask why is it up to us, I say we have the blessing that it is up to us, not why me. This is not a why me thing. This is a what can we do thing. So thank you very much for that question. And I think there's only two more. When will this referendum happen? Michelle asks. Uh, I believe tentatively it's scheduled for 2025. Now, I could be wrong on that. You can find the information on the Alberta government website. There is a link there that explains why we're looking at a pension plan, uh, why Albertans are looking at a pension plan. 
why it's to our benefit, and then it's got a timeline for getting this done. So please just go check that out and you can find that information. So that's on the Alberta government website. Uh, Christina asks, will Trudeau step down? Probably not. Narcissists don't step down. He'll just pretend that he was perfect and the best thing that ever happened to Canada since his father with the National Energy uh, Program that also kneecapped Alberta because it was becoming the center power of Canada, but that's another conversation. Michelle, excellent question. How would an Alberta pension plan be any different than an in-out pension plan? Number one, in 1967, when CPP was formed, uh, it wasn't started with an nest egg. It was specifically an in-out plan. Now, for anybody who knows anything about investments, that's not sustainable. The difference with the Alberta pension plan is we would be withdrawing according to legislation, according to a mathematical calculation that is really not open to interpretation. It's literally math. It is a universal language. We would be withdrawing X amount of dollars. Now, LifeWorks pegs that number at 333 or $343 billion. Oh my goodness, Chris, what are you talking about? That's like over 50% of the fund. And what's your point? If I invested in a mutual fund and I said to my investment manager, hey, uh, I want to withdraw what I've invested. And they said, well, if you withdraw your money, then uh, the other people that have the, that need to withdraw, it's not available for them. We have $1.14 trillion in unfunded liabilities. I would say, that's not my freaking problem. That's my investment and I want it back. So show me my money. When you start with a nest egg like that, you can invest it and you can earn interest on it and you can sustain a pension plan in that way. So that's how this would be different. There's another really important thing to mention here as well. I did see a comment. I saw a couple comments about uh, uh, we don't trust the provincial government to manage our pension plan. Well, you know what? I don't trust any government to manage my pension plan. As a matter of fact, I believe that we should not be forced by law to give any portion of our paycheck to any government for any reason. I believe that we should be allowed to make those decisions for ourselves. I should be allowed to take 10% of my income and invest it in whatever the hell I want for my retirement. But that's not where we are. We live in a country where it's actually in the constitution that we will have pensions. So we have a pension. Who's going to manage it better, the federal government or the provincial government? There's no right answer there. That's the wrong question. The question is, which government can we influence in order to make sure that our pensions are managed the way we want them to be? As an Albertan, can you elect a member of parliament to go to parliament and change the way CPP is managed through an uh, act of parliament? No, you cannot. What do you mean? It's a democracy, right? Yes, it is a democracy, but our voice isn't loud enough. Albertans, along with British Columbians and Saskatchewans, Saskatchewanites, Saskatchewanians, even if we all voted the same way and all elected MPs that went to Parliament and tried to fix this, we could not because we don't have the votes. Plain and simple. So right now, we are taxed by the federal government and we do not have adequate representation to, de to, to uh, determine where those tax dollars go, taxes or pension or whatever. If our provincial government manages our pension plan, 
as the Constitution allows, by the way, for a reason, we can influence our governments provincially. If we don't like what our provincial government is doing, we will punt them, right? If we don't like what our political parties are doing, we will get involved at the CA level and we will show up in numbers and we will either change the leadership or change policy or whatever. But my point is, on a provincial level, we can influence these things. If you don't like how your pension plan is being managed, you get enough people, you bring them with you, you put forth a policy, and we get it done. We can't do that federally. So if you don't trust the provincial government with your pension plan, that is every reason why you should be advocating for an Alberta pension plan instead of a Canada pension plan. Because you as an Albertan, your voice matters and your voice can change things in this province as we've seen over the last four years. Next question. Huh, good statement from Ernie. Ask any accountant what they think about CPP. Yeah, I. from the time I was, I don't know, 15 years old, I've been hearing about, we probably wouldn't have a CPP when I was ready to retire because it's not sustainable. It wasn't sustainable then, it's not sustainable now. And we need out so that we can protect our pension, our pensioners, and our prosperity. Rhonda, this is a great question. Uh, so what would happen to the equalization payment? Could Alberta stop making those payments? Yes, with the constitutional change. Is it going to happen? No. The only way we can stop making equalization payments is if we have a referendum on independence in this province. The reason for that is... There is no other leverage that Alberta could possibly use to influence any constitutional change on equalization or any other constitutional issue except for a referendum on independence. The Clarity Act states a successful referendum on secession may or would lead to a negotiation with the federal government, which may lead to secession. That also means it may not. What that means is it opens up negotiations so that we can fix the problems within confederation that ail us. So the Alberta pension plan will not influence equalization payments. If we want to do that, there's other things we need to do. And for more information on that, please visit www.albertaprosperityproject.com. And we have all the answers for that. The Alberta Prosperity Project is the only organization that has a clear plan to a clear goal and an obvious solution for each and every one of these problems. No other organization has it. We're the only one. So check it out. Uh, I think maybe there was more than three questions. Oh, Johnny Freedom, this is a great statement. The fringe freedom fighters need to get their act together. And stop demonizing based on anything vapid, inconsequential, and useless big picture. We have millions of military-age men pouring over our borders. U.S. 20 million so far, and per capita Canada is higher at 4 million and growing. This is not normal. It is not normal. Perhaps Alberta should take control of immigration as well to make sure that we can sustain our province and help those in need in the form of uh, refugees immigrating in the future. Almost to the end, here's uh, information right there, folks. AlbertaPensionPlan.ca. LifeWorks report is right here. 
at open.alberta.ca slash publication slash app dash analysis dash lifeworks dash report. How does this affect seniors? Well, perhaps with a effectively managed Alberta pension plan, seniors wouldn't have to choose between paying for their heat or their groceries. I'd say that would be a pretty positive outcome. Uh, yes, Sandra, I just provided it. The LifeWorks report can be found here. Connie says, so the answer is to stand up provincially. Yes, the answer almost every time is to stand up for what you believe in and use your voice. Even if you believe that you're the only sane person in the room, principles are important and uh, we should stop ignoring them based on the status quo. Oh, this is an interesting question. Cindy asks, what if referendum on an Alberta pension plan was successful, but before it was transitioned, the NDPs got in? Could they turn it around? I don't think so. I think once a province has a referendum on a particular issue, well, okay, let's just look at, let's just say, for instance, that they did turn it around. If 60 or 70 or 90 or 95% of Albertans said we want an Alberta pension plan. The NDP was elected. Oh, please no. And they said we're going to reverse this pension plan. Well, 95% of the people in the province would not like that. So what do you think would happen? Well, there would be no parade for them and they would be removed from power very, very quickly. Uh, probably with Albertans lighting a prairie fire, the likes of which has never been seen before, and removing every MLA from every constituency across the province. So it is very unlikely that, number one, it's going to be very unlikely that the NDP get in. Number two, it would be very unlikely that they would cast aside a referendum uh, with a clear answer and go against the wishes of Albertans, in my opinion. And... Uh, uh, this is a great comment. I love this one. Comment was made. Other provinces would not support this. Would their CPP crumble if Alberta pulled out federally? So in speaking with Nadine and uh, Tanner today on this very question, it is unlikely that CPP would crumble. However, it would expose the federal government to the mismanagement that the CPP has been, that, that has been happening with the CPP. So like Nadine said, uh, it's likely that, for instance, Prince Edward Island, their premiums would go up from, say, 9.9% to 10.9%, which is about a 10% increase, right? Uh, so it's not a huge number, but people will feel it. So it's it's not that it would crumble, but it would make things a little bit more difficult for them, and they would be certainly asking some questions. And probably the biggest question would be is, where's our money? Why is there $1.14 trillion in unfunded liabilities? matter of fact, why is everybody not concerned that there's $1.14 trillion in unfunded liabilities on the books of the Canada Pension Plan? I think it's time that the other provinces got involved in this right now. I think every single province should take back their pension plan. They should do it themselves because they can direct how it's run. It would be better that way. And get the federal government out of our business.
Who do you think would look after the pension plan? My friend Wayne asks this. Well, I'm not going to say who I think would look after it, but I will tell you that one of the points in the Alberta government's presentation as to implementing an Alberta pension plan is that Albertans get to decide how our pension plan is managed. Pension plan is managed. We get to decide if we use a current uh, 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 firm like or like the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, which we could. We could use AIMCO, which I mean they they manage big sums of money, but I think the performance has been less than stellar. We could have the government manage it, but how many of us trust the government to manage our pension plan? Or we could set up a completely new management firm to do it, uh, an Alberta an Alberta pension plan board. It would be our choice. And that's the point here. It's not who's going to look after the pension plan, but who are we going to ask to look after the pension plan? Albertans get to decide. That's the key here. Thanks, Wayne. And in closing, Daniel asks, how much is our national debt? It is more than a dollar and less than 10 trillion. It's a lot. And it's uh, gone up considerably over the last few years. Uh, incredibly, when another Trudeau was in office, it's almost like history is repeating itself. But I think that this time, we need to do something differently that I've, that's never been done before. Alberta needs to stand up. We need to claim our birthright. And we need to set an example for every other province in this confederation as to how we can continue to be prosperous and uh, pursue human flourishing at all costs. We need to do this. We must do this. And we need your help. I asked you before. I'll ask you again. Please become a member. Please donate if you can. As a matter of fact, set up. you can set up a recurring monthly donation. And that money, no, it doesn't pay for a Lamborghini for me. I drive a... Uh, 19, no, pardon me, a 2008 Jeep Grand Cherokee that's in the shop broken down right now. I live in a modest house. I don't take a paycheck from APP. Nobody really takes a paycheck for APP, save some professional fees and some software stuff. Uh, we do this largely on a volunteer basis. That money is needed for these campaigns. We need to rent venues. We need to cover the expenses of the speakers. We need to provide juice and coffee, those types of things. Uh, and we can't do it without you. So if you want this to happen, please help us make it happen. And uh, we will work tire tirelessly to get that done. So with that said, I'm going to sign off. And I will say thank you, folks, for joining us week after week for these webinars. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully someday one of you will take over this for me so that I can go back to doing what I do best, which is making hamburgers and pouring coffee and making cinnamon buns, which I will be doing tomorrow morning at the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. Best cinnamon buns, best uh, hamburgers, and really the best food in central Alberta. Please come and join us there for a meal. There's my shameless plug for my own business. But you know what? I got to eat too. So have a great evening, everybody. Thank you for being Albertans. Thank you for those of you who are about to become future Albertans. Uh, you will not regret it. Stay prosperous, my friend.